0: Thank you, Stephen. Let's pray together, okay? Lord, thank you for this morning and, Father, for the beautiful day. Lord, it seems cloudy and dreary, but, Lord, we need moisture. We know you're sending it our way. We pray that you bless us with that this morning, this evening. Father, we pray that you bless us right now as we look into your Word and we search uh, your Word for you. Father, we know we'll find you in it, and we know that you'll instruct us from it. And Lord, today I pray that you accomplish that in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be again in James chapter 1. Last week we were able to finish the first uh, half of what I wanted to speak about. Today we'll do the second half. When you're turning, or as you're turning to James 1, uh, I read a story about a retired pastor. When he was a young man, he joined the Coast Guard And once in a while, the captain of the ship would allow him to take the wheel to train him uh, how to steer and drive the ship. And he would give him a course setting and then he would uh, hold that ship on that course. And he said it was fairly easy with the currents and the winds to keep that ship going in the right direction. He said, one day we went out into a storm And he said, I was anticipating the captain to allow me to drive the ship, and I was very nervous. He said, the winds were about 70 miles an hour, the waves were about 30 feet, and I was really anxious about driving the ship. And when it came time to change uh, shifts, the captain gave the ship to a more experienced seaman. And he said, I was kind of relieved. He said, because it's easy to steer a big ship when the winds are calm and the currents are slow but he said when you get into a storm of 70 miles an hour and 30 foot waves it's a whole different game and he said i was glad that the captain gave that ship to that more experienced man i told you that story to say this it's easy for us to be christian when everything's going good isn't it it's easy to walk with christ to to sing to him to to tell others about Him, it's, it's easy to walk with Him and be known by Him when things are smooth and great. It's a different kind of a game when things get tough and things become awkward and trials come our way. Remember James is about trials. Last week we learned that we're to consider trials with joy And we talked about that being a radical way of approaching um, Christianity. And we learned that those trials were for a reason. All of those trials are for a reason. And there's a process in those trials that is for our maturity, to build our endurance, to make us stronger Christian men and women. So I hope you were able to grasp that last week. We ended that message last week with the end of verse 4 so I want to start right there look at the end of verse 4 with me and it says that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing all right you can go ahead and stand just for a minute you can end the trial the purpose of the trial is that you would be complete and perfect lacking in nothing now honestly last week when we finished that Did you feel that you were lacking in nothing? Did you feel that you had it all together? Did you feel that in the middle of all your troubles and all of your trials that you've got it made and you've got it figured out? I would venture to say not one of us in here felt that way. But that's what the Bible said we could feel. James knows better, and certainly God knows better, and he wrote through James the rest of... The message starting in verse 5. Let's read that, the word but. Okay? So verse 4 tells us we should be and can be lacking in nothing, but then verse 5 helps us out by saying but. All right? Now let's see what he says the rest of the way. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray together. Lord, bless your word today and show us that wisdom, how we can have that wisdom. Father, we desire that. We want to know how to be... uh, pleasing to you, and and to endure trials, especially the ones we're facing right now, Lord, in our life. I pray that your hand be upon us here today, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Remember, these trials have a purpose for our maturity, for God's glory, so that we would be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. None of us felt that way. So now we have the word but. That's for you and me. If you're not feeling complete and perfect, well, here's what you can do. It's what that word but means there. And he says, I want you to ask God if you're lacking wisdom. This is not wisdom for, for uh, being smart. This is not wisdom for having knowledge. This is wisdom for making it through the trial with joy. You see, I really didn't know how to do that after last Sunday. I knew I needed to consider it joy, but in my heart, in my mind, I couldn't make myself do that. How do you make suffering and trouble joyful, God? Well, I know you said I should, but after last Sunday, I really hadn't found that yet. But I look at all the other brothers and sisters in my church and I see them making it. I see them holding it together. I see them being successful and joyous. Why why am I not experiencing that? Well, James is going to help us. God's helping us through James by saying, but if you don't feel that way, if you don't feel like you've got it all together, here's what you can do. You can go to God and ask Him. All right. I, I read a little article about a pastor who had a church secretary and she uh, had a stroke and so she took some time off and and she got back to work and after a couple of months she was back to work and everything was going good and then her husband had a stroke and he went blind and during that blindness they put him in the hospital and the doctors told her that he would probably not make it out. She goes to church the next Sunday. The church knows this, of course. She goes to church the next Sunday. The pastor sees her there. He makes extra effort to get to her after the service so that he can talk with her, and he tells her that he's praying for her. And she says, what are you praying for? And he said, well, I'm praying for you to be strengthened, and I'm praying for you to have endurance, and I'm praying for you to to have peace, and she said, I want you to pray for one more thing. He said, what is it? She said, I want you to pray that I'll have the wisdom not to waste any of this. That lady understood James chapter 1, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What is this wisdom? You know, when I, I believe my first response to that is to be wise, to have understanding, to have knowledge, to, to be wise. You know, I understand the Bible calls gray hair a... A crown of wisdom. So I I would think that people that are older have been through things and that's what makes them wise. They've experienced things, right? They've been there before. But when we look at that word in James and we break it down into the Hebrew and the Greek word, it has nothing to do with knowledge or with understanding. It has to do with skill. So I I see a little bit of the gray haired experience developing wisdom, developing skills that would help me to carry on in life. The word doesn't have to do with book smarts, it has to do with ability. It has to do with skill. In the Old Testament, God told Moses, when He got him out there in the wilderness, and they were going to build the tabernacle, and they were going to uh, make the priestly garments, He said, I want you to pick this guy, and He named him, and He said, because he is a man of wisdom about making garments. In Isaiah, God said, I want you to pick this man to make the battle plan, because he's a man of wisdom. I had one more I wanted to share with you. In Deuteronomy, God said, These men should lead your government because they are men of wisdom, men of skill, men of ability. So when you lack the skill and the ability to find joy in your troubles, James is helping us out this morning. Ask God. Alright? So, let's, let's talk some more about wisdom. Now, we learn in the book of Proverbs, it's a book of wisdom. It's not a book of book smarts, it's a book of how to live practically every day in obedience to God. A book of wisdom, a book of skill. In, in the book of Proverbs, we read about how to keep ourselves away from sin. It's a skill to do that. We learn about how a young man should use wisdom to keep from falling prey to the adulteress who's leading him or luring him into her home. Proverbs, Solomon writes to young men to have wisdom, not to fall into that trap. Also in Proverbs, we read about how crowds of people can stop heading down the path of destruction with wisdom. Amen? Rather than knowledge and understanding, wisdom is a skill and an ability to be obedient to God. To follow God's way. To listen and understand God's will and to live by it. In the book of Proverbs, we read the word fool a lot, don't we? A fool is this, a fool is that. The fool does not have a mental deficiency. He has a moral deficiency. Right? He doesn't, he's not able to skillfully make it through life being obedient to God, therefore, he is a fool. The man in Proverbs who is wise is a man who follows God. That's the difference in being a fool and being wise. It's not being stupid and being smart. It is being foolish and without God and wise walking with God. That's where we find the wise man. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Maybe you always had trouble figuring that verse out. Now you can understand. When I put God in the proper place and I reverence Him, and I stand in awe of Him, and I'm following Him to the best of my ability, I am beginning the path of wisdom. you see that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now we can understand that verse a little better. In James, wisdom then is the skill to live obediently to God through the trials that come my way. Not if when they come, when they come. They will come, and they are coming. And one thing about it, you're either coming out of a trial, you're going into a trial, or you're in the middle of a trial. Amen? That's life for us. And that's how God shapes us, and that's how God forms us with these trials. To find this wisdom, there are some things that you and I must believe. Okay? I want that wisdom, don't you? I want the skill and the ability to go through trials with joy... So that I come out on the other side bringing glory to God and I am more mature and more wise than I was when I went into it. So there's some things I need to believe. Number one, I need to believe that God is the source of that wisdom. Look in verse 5 again. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay? I have to believe that God can deliver. I have to believe that He is the source of the wisdom that I need. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30. There is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. Only God's wisdom and counsel and understanding will stand the test of time. We can go to men, we can go to philosophers, and you know what? Many people do. They'll go to a psychiatrist. They'll go to someone who is a philosopher. The Bible speaks about philosophy in Acts chapter 17, and Paul, the apostle, had to address them. They were called Epicureans. And Paul addressed those Epicureans with the truth about God. The problem with philosophy... and what does philosophy mean, by the way? Here's a definition, a layman's term of uh, philosophy. Love wisdom. Philosophers love wisdom. The only problem with that in our world is that today philosophers love their wisdom. They don't love God's wisdom, they love their own wisdom. So you can go to a psychiatrist or you can go to a philosopher to get help, but all you'll get is more trouble. You will not get God's wisdom. God is the source of true wisdom. Not men. I'm not telling you not to go get help. You can go to a good counselor, a good Christian friend, a pastor, a good uh, counseling friend. But understand, that friend must lead you to that wisdom through God's Word. Right? If you go to a secular philosopher, a secular psychiatrist you're not going to get God's word and if you do it would be twisted so understand that in order for me to have this wisdom I must go to the source of the wisdom and that is God alone and it says in Proverbs that God understanding wisdom and counsel no one can be against it because it stands the test of time amen now another thing Philosophers today will tell you that they would rather win an argument than have wisdom. They, they, they want to debate. They want to, to uh, argue with you so that they can feel powerful by defeating you in that argument. That's what Paul ran into when he went to Athens, all right, in Acts chapter 17. Now here's what Paul wrote about that event in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 20. He says, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. God said, the world has a wisdom, and I have a wisdom. And in the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the world could not find God. And God was pleased with that. And what did He do about it? He sent Jesus to die on the cross, and then He sent you and I to tell of that event. And to this world of wisdom, it was foolish. A man dying on a cross, being the Savior of the world. But God said through God's wisdom, He was pleased to announce salvation through the foolishness of that message. You and I came out of this world. Why? Because we believed that message. I accepted that message. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, for my sin debt. And I received that gift of God. Foolishness to the world, but salvation to you and I. Where is the source of wisdom? Not in the world, my friend. Don't go to a self-help book, or a self-help speaker, or a self-help conference. Go to God. He gives the only wisdom that stands. I must believe that. The second thing I need to believe is this, that God... Reveals His wisdom by His Spirit through His Word. Alright? Now let's talk about that a minute. I can go to Reader's Digest and I can get some wisdom. Worldly wisdom. I can go to the Saturday Evening Post and I can get some wisdom. Hey, I can go to the New York Stock Exchange report and I can get some wisdom. Wisdom. I can go to the Wall Street Journal and get some wisdom. I can go to Time Magazine and get some wisdom. Right? But all of that is worldly wisdom. Just what we spoke about. God said, in my wisdom, the world and its wisdom did not come to know me. So why would you go to those places for wisdom? Well... I need to go to the place where true wisdom is found. And God says it's found in His Word. And it is taught to us by His Spirit. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, uh, verse 3 says it like this: resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When I go to God's word, and it is Christ-centered, I will find true wisdom taught to me by the Holy Spirit. We say, I can't find that in all the everyday things of my life, Brother Clay. Yes, you can. You can find that you are trusting in other things instead of trusting in Him. So you have to go to those things in order to get their wisdom because you're trusting in them. You can live in this world and operate in those things as long as your full trust is in the Lord. Amen? And in Him alone. And then you will find success for what you're trying to do. Maybe you need to change your priorities. Maybe you need to readjust your thinking if you have to go here in the world to find success and to find comfort and to find reality and wisdom. God says, his plan for you is the wise way. His plan for you is the only way that will work. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 says this, "...yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, not of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom." which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age have understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and all which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him, For to us God revealed these things through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. If you have not been to the cross to receive God's mercy, then you don't know God. And if you don't know God, then you cannot have God's wisdom. Okay? God doesn't give that wisdom to the world. God doesn't give that wisdom to the mature. God doesn't give that wisdom to the youth. God gives that wisdom to those who come to Him in faith asking for it. You cannot come in faith asking if you don't know Him. So if you've never been saved, then what I'm saying to you is going in one ear and out the other. You cannot have God's wisdom for those trials because you are leaning to the world for answers. Only God can give you the godly wisdom and He only gives that to those who are fully His. Look in verse 6. But let him ask in faith without doubting. So if I need God's wisdom to make it through a trial, to have joy in it, To make it through it, I must come to God because I know He's the source. I must come to Him because I know His wisdom is true and right. I'll find it in His Word, but I must come to Him asking without doubting. How do I do that? I have to make up my mind before I ask that I am committed to what He will tell me. Here's what happens most of the time. We have a need of wisdom. We come to God with our own plan. That's natural. I'm not saying that's wrong. We can see a way out. We can see how God could fix this. So we come to Him seeing if He agrees with us. And when He doesn't, then we aren't committed to His answer. We're going to try our own answer first. Our own answer is less aggressive. Our our own answer is less painful. Our own answer is less intrusive on our life. So when I come to God, and I'm going to ask Him in faith, the Bible says, I cannot doubt. So I have to be committed and submitted in submission to what He's going to tell me. That, my friend, is the difficulty. That's where we struggle. We come with a plan to God to see if He agrees. And when His plan is not our plan, then we turn away and we do our own thing and we go our own way. God, Your plan is not lining up with the direction of my life. Your plan, God, is not lining up with my desires. Your plan, God, is asking me to do something I don't want to do. Your plan is asking me to do something I don't think I could do. Your plan, God, won't work for me. And we turn away from God. That's what happens most of the time. James says it differently. If I come to Him in faith, because He's the source of wisdom... I come to Him, and before I even ask Him, I am committed to His answer. Now that takes faith, doesn't it? That is faith. When I commit to Him, before He even tells me the answer, I tell Him, I'll follow it, God. I'll do it. I'll go. I'll stop. We commit before He answers. That's coming in faith. Now, let's go on. God will only give wisdom to those whose heart is fully His, committed to Him in faith, not divided. Verse 8 says that the man who is like the man I described, who comes with his idea and God's doesn't match, then he turns away. Verse 8 says that man is double-minded. If we dug into that word a little deeper, we would find it double-souled. S-O-U-L-E-D. Two souls. Two battlegrounds. Two areas where we struggle back and forth. We'll get into that in just a minute. What happens then? My heart is divided in allegiance to God, but it is divided in allurement to the world. Now, when I have this problem, and I come to God with wisdom, remember I told you it's natural for us to already have a plan of attack. We've already got an idea how God could make this all work. And so when we come to Him, and that doesn't happen, then we're divided between allegiance to my Heavenly Father, but to this plan that I see working. If He would just Help it along. Unfortunately, God's plans are not always our plans. The Bible says God's plans are higher than our plans. Amen. God says that His ways are higher than our ways. So there's things that we can't see in the plan of God when He already sees all of the result of our plan. Am I committed to Him? Are you committed to Him? Do you really want God's wisdom? You better be careful. You better be careful asking for it. He'll give it to you. It says here that he gives it freely and generously without reproach. What does that mean? God's not going to say when you come to him, is it you again? How many times have I got to deal with you? God will never, ever shame you. He will never cause you to be embarrassed by coming to him asking He invites you to ask Him. He lavishes His generosity and wisdom upon His children. He wants you to come and ask. If you think that you're not worthy to go ask God, that is the root of disobedience. If you don't think you know enough to come and ask God for help in this situation... You are simply starting the process of disobeying Him. He wants you to come and ask Him. He inquires that you come and ask Him. You might have a stingy earthly dad, which every nine out of ten times it's no, 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 no. And once in a while you'll get a yes. And you know in your heart that it's a long time before you get that next yes. And you might have an idea that that's how God's going to deal with you. I want you to hear me. No, He won't. God is loving and He is generous and He is forgiving and He wants to give you all of that wisdom. So what do you do to get it? How do I obtain this wisdom? James tells us how. We ask. We ask in faith. We ask that God would meet our need in faith. Look in verse 6. The word ask, but let him ask in faith. And and I know we're not all Greek scholars, but I want you to understand the structure of that word ax. Ax. Ask. It is in present tense, which implies to us it is a continual asking. I didn't ask him once or I won't ask him in the future for some help. I'm asking him now and I will ask him again and I will ask him again for wisdom to help me live an obedient life. So the present tense is in that to ask God. It's a simple command. There's not a formula to ask him. You don't chant. You don't come to church and sing songs. You don't pray. You don't have to read your Bible necessarily before you ask. You don't have to perform a ceremony. You don't need to be sprinkled with water. You don't need to rub rosary beads together. You just simply cannot buy God's wisdom. And you cannot earn God's wisdom. It's not for sale. God says, ask me. That's all you really have to do is ask me, but ask me in faith. Knowing that I'm going to give you an answer. And you must be committed to that answer. Even before I give it to you. I'm afraid I've scared some of you away from asking God for wisdom. Because we are afraid of committing to Him that way. I'm afraid of committing my finances. I'm afraid of committing my family to you, God, in that way. I'm afraid of taking charge. I'm afraid of being the person that I know you're calling me to be. I'm afraid of surrendering to the ministry. I'm afraid, God. I, I can't commit to that. I want you to know something. God never asks someone who feels capable He always lures people who feel incapable. Uncapable. So that all of the glory goes to Him. Amen? You see that? That's how He works. That's how He wants to work. That's how we have to let Him work. I must ask Him in faith. Now, every believer, according to Peter, is a priest. All of us can approach the throne of God directly. Do we feel worthy? No. Have we sinned too much? Yes. Would God even deal or listen to me? If you ask Him in faith, He certainly will. If you believe that He's the source, if your heart is committed to Him, He will do what you've requested of Him. He will give you that answer. When we stop, when we don't continue, we are simply coming up with an excuse to be disobedient to Him. We come not because of our merits. I don't deserve to come to the throne of God and ask Him anything. I come through the merit of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Jesus Christ has gained entrance into the throne. Jesus Christ caused the veil to be torn that separated man from God. Jesus Christ is the way. I come on His merit. The Bible tells me I can. I can approach the throne of grace now, because I'm a believer in what Jesus has offered. I've received that gift. I must ask in faith. Hebrews 11 tells it like this, uh, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because I couldn't quote it. I thought I could. For For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who honestly seek after him. So, not all belief is double-minded. Not all unbelief is double-minded. There are people who are totally disconnected from God. It's hard to be a double-minded man and be in the kingdom of Satan. Alright? The double-mindedness comes when we're in the kingdom of God but the kingdom of the world is luring us and we fight that battle All right, that's Satan and God fighting over you that's the demonic world and the angelic world fighting a spiritual war over you you know you've seen a spiritual war take place right most of the times it it looks something like this on the back of a pew you can tell there's a battle in that person when you start seeing them white knuckles. Or when you start talking about godliness and they start fidgeting. They can't sit still. Or they'll put their head down like this. Right? And, and they just get out of the ordinary. There's a, there's a war. World War III is going on in the heart of that man. Between angelic forces and demonic forces, a spiritual war is taking place in those people that person is struggling with being double-minded, double-souled, allegiance to God or alluring to the world. You know, it's almost like there's a divide put up in our our mind or in our heart. And, And we're sincere in both camps. And that's what James is writing to us. If a man is like that, He should not expect that God would give him an answer. That's why I challenge you to be committed to God. Asking Him in faith without doubting. Believe that He has the answer. Believe that He cares for you. Believe that He exists. Stop doubting Him. Stop being double-minded. You know, He uses a, a picture there of the ocean, right? Like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. I'm sure all of you have probably been to the ocean before, or or a big lake anyway. And you know, when when, uh, you go there, you realize something, that the waves and the water have no kinetic energy within themselves. They're just there. And what happens is the wind moves them, and they start going back and forth. And back and forth. And you know what? A wave carries much destruction with it. If it's allowed to batter the coast, it will erode it away. If it's allowed to batter the side of a ship, it will destroy it. Eventually. Tear it apart. But the waves have no energy within themselves. It's a battle between exterior forces causing those waves to wreak destruction. This is a perfect picture of a man. God is a force outside of us. Satan is a force outside of us. And that battle between the two starts tossing our life back and forth. Back and forth. Back and forth. We have no control over it. And eventually, if un Resolved, it will wreak destruction all around us. A double-minded man should not expect that God would give him an answer. Right? So, with that being said, what do I do? I know that God is the source. I believe that. I believe that I will find the answer in His Word taught to me through the Holy Spirit. I believe that I must ask God in faith without doubting His answer. I challenge you. I challenge you the next time you're having a struggle and you need help, come to Him. He wants generously to give it to you, but you must accept His answer even before you ask for it. That's what doubting is. You know, most of the time we, we hear people... Preach or teach this in churches that you've got to pray without doubting, right? Pray without doubting, because if you doubt, then you won't get your prayer answered. Hababalo is what that is. Huabaloo. See that? They get that from here. Ask God and don't you doubt, Don't you doubt? Or you won't get your prayer answered. That's not what he's saying here, is it? He's saying you be committed to God's answer before you ask for it and don't doubt it. Because it will come and it will fix the problem for you, but it challenges you to grow up, to build endurance, to be mature, to come out on the other side with joy. How many of you know a lady named Johnny Erickson Tata? Show me your hand. Come on. Johnny Erickson Tata tata she's on radio johnny and friends right this young lady uh, she's not young anymore she's about my age she had a diving accident when she was 17 years old paralyzed from the neck down okay great great christian woman you hear her on radio all the time probably seen her on tv even johnny erickson tata here's what she said about her situation God engineered these circumstances for me he used them to prove himself as well as to prove my loyalty to him not everyone has this privilege I felt that there are only a few people God cared for in such a special way that he would trust them with this kind of experience This understanding left me relaxed and comfortable as I relied on His love, exercising newly learned trust. I saw that my injury was not a tragedy, but it was a gift from God that He was using to conform me into the image of His Son. Wow! Something that would mean my ultimate satisfaction happiness and joy 40 plus years in a wheelchair can't move anything from here down i've heard her testimony she has to have someone dress her every day she has to have someone feed her every day she has to have someone change her diapers give her a bath she's married her husband has a job They have a dear friend in the church that shows up every day to take care of her. And she considers that joy. I think Johnny understood James chapter 1. Consider it all joy. Amen? We got it easy. Times are getting tougher. We will be challenged in our faith. When you need wisdom, you know where to go. And you know what's going to come. He's going to give you an answer. And you've got to obey it if you're His child. There might be something you've got to quit doing in your life. There might be something you've got to go and do. There might be something that God asks you personally to accomplish I don't know what it will be. I don't know the answer. But I know the result. That it will bring glory to Him and it will bring joy to You. What are we waiting for? Let's pray. Father, asking You now to bring joy to our life. Help us to overcome the struggles of this world and its pull on our heart. Help us not to have a plan of attack, but to come to You for wisdom. Help us to see, Father, that You are good. And that Your plan will stand the test of time. And that we don't have to worry about what the world's going to do to us. Because we know that You are in charge. And that You love us unconditionally. And that You are a gracious God and a good Father to us. Help us to see that. Give us the courage to ask You in faith. In Jesus' name, Amen.